0: Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy Sporiner of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest Royal News and the truth behind the story.
1: Okay, so we do not know when this is going to go out. It is a mystery to us, but we have recorded it uh, because it's a thing that a few people have asked us, um, and we think it's a good sort of light. Um, topic, but also helps you to get to know us better. We are t- going to talk about our favourite royals, and we've thought of a few questions to kind of help us guide the conversation. Uh, so, my favourite royal is um, Crown Princess Victoria, who
0: is the heir to the Swedish throne. And unsurprisingly, <laughs> I think my favourite royal is the Duchess of Cambridge. So, I don't think either of those are surprising. I did think maybe you throw a curveball. Yeah, like, plot twist, my favourite royal is Princess <laughs> Marie. <Yeah. laughs>
1: no shade to Princess Marie, you're very nice, but that would never... I do been. like Princess Marie a yeah. Lot. <laughs> yeah, but our first question that we're going to kick off with, so how
0: did we find out about our favourite royal? What was kind of our journey? My first thing I thought about. I thought about was osmosis, and I think it's because William and Kate met at university, when I was very young for me 20 years ago I was four or five I missed the Diana thing I was a baby when she died so I had no real relevant experience of royals the first memory of a royal event I have is the golden jubilee and my only memory is getting my golden jubilee badge at rainbows I don't know what I did to get it but I got it oh well done Um, and I think I grew up (laughs) thank you (laughs) I grew up going to my grandparents house on a um, Saturday and in the Daily Mail is a like weekend supplement paper that has like crosswords in it. So my family would sit there and they'd all do the crossword together, like with my aunts and stuff. And they'd all be talking about it. And I'd sneak off and read the like opinion pages and they would always be talking about Kate. And at the tiny age of about seven or eight, I was like, I don't think that's very nice. I'm going to look after this woman. I will personally make sure she feels okay. And... Um, didn't really think too much about it. Apart from that, every time she came up, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's that one I like." And then, eventually, eventually, her and William announced their engagement, and I was like, "Oh, look, that's that Kate I really like." But then her wedding, which I know was a really basic thing to say, "Oh, the wedding," but I remember that very clearly, and I remember the build-up, and it happened when I was about 15, so I think I was a no, 14, maybe. Yeah, I was 14 when they got married. I think I was at like, a really good age for it because um, my family like came around to my, our, our house. We had like a tea party for the wedding. We had cucumber sandwiches. I remember, you know, talking about it in school and kind of the build-up. I remember, and I only remember this sort of like as an afterthought, but later that year in English, we would have to write some about someone we thought would be a good role model for children. And I'd written about Kate and I only remember that because we were chatting about whether or not we thought she was pregnant because like she'd had water at an event oh I remember like, that, that was, <laughs> was such a significant like and I didn't think at the time I ever realized that I was um really interested in Kate she just happened to be coming up a lot in my life but what I did know I was doing was like at the end of the year magazines would release like these sort of like supplement page things where it would be like about Kate and it would be like Kate's dresses in her first year as a royal or Kate's outfits on her first royal tour and I would get my parents to buy the newspaper so I could keep those and just look at them because it was she was really pretty you still have them I I do still have them <laughs> my wardrobe. <laughs> I know where they are they're out there uh, but I still have them I did I did have to cut a few eventually because I had quite a big selection and then I was like I have to mature at some point <laughs> no but, you don't <laughs> They were, I had so many of them and I would just sort of I hid them in like my bottom if like really creepily I'd hide them in the bottom drawer of my cupboards and I just like look at them occasionally because I just thought she was like the prettiest person I'd ever seen and she wore dresses but also she she was like kind and clever and I was like wow and eventually I realized like oh this isn't just me being like a casual fat I was like I am 100% in here <laughs> but I think I'd always it was really weird because there was no point where I was like oh I have just learned about this woman because I very much always known about her but it was probably just after her wedding probably the end of that year when I was like hang on a second I like this person
1: yeah yeah when did you start blogging
0: and like how did um how did it become Kate that you wanted to blog about okay this is also going to sound really creepy I've had a tumblr for a really long time but like my actual main tumblr is like a really multi-family one it's been through all of my weird fixations I mean, it's done Doctor Who it did my awful Sherlock phase it's done like that time when I tried to be really arty was not very good at it it's done all of them still going um (laughs) it's a mess everyone's following me um and then I would always go on and there'd be certain blogs I'd always sort of look at in the morning and I'd always well not in the morning necessarily but on the day so I'd look at you know there would be there was a particular Doctor Who blog I'd look at and there was you know a couple of ones who were like feminist blogs and and there were also three royal blogs I'd always look at and it was <laughs> <it's> really <embarrassing. laughs> it was <Mr. laughs> and Kate Middleton's and obviously that's just a to get it was yours I would look at them every day like reading my morning paper and I was like I should get my own royal blog and I was like no I couldn't do that but I was like, oh, so. I also was like, well, I can't really blog about the royals on my left-wing <laughs> account. So in twenty fifteen, around the time Charlotte was born, I made my um, account. I I just specifically remember the day I was like, I'm actually going to use it was Carl Philip and Sophia's wedding day, because I was seeing all these pictures of them, and I was like, who are these people? <laughs> I I knew other fa- countries had royal families, but it never really occurred to me. And I was like, okay, I'm, this is gonna have to be a thing now. I'm gonna have to learn about all this because I can't do anything like casually. And yeah, that was it then. <laughs> Sophia and Kelsey stole me into the fandom. <laughs> I always
1: say came for the Brits, stayed
0: for the Swedes. People don't
1: understand if they've come in in the last sort of, four years or so, they think that Kate's treatment now is the same as the treatment she's always had. I was there and it was horrible. And so I do feel I can completely relate to that sort of feeling of wanting to protect somebody. She's, I can understand as well, like she's been part of your life for a very long time. And like a lot of my interest in royal stems back to before I was aware of politics, before I could decide whether or not I wanted a monarchy or not, I was just fascinated by who they were as people.
0: Yeah, I think I remember that period when I was like, but I don't think we should have a monarchy but I really like the royal family and it took me a really long time to kind of like disentangle it in my head and I was like I don't like the royal family I like certain people and obviously Kate more than anyone and then I was like I, I think it was a, it was actually probably when I was voting in the election between um Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn and until I went in that sort of cubicle I didn't know where I was going to vote because I didn't like Jeremy Corbyn but when I was in there, I was like well, I can't not. There was no part of me that would vote for anyone other than Labour for this election. Like, and I think that was where it. And I suddenly thought well, if there was a referendum about abolishing the monarchy in that cubicle, I know I would vote to abolish it because that's who I am. But until that point, I'm not quite ready to be like, I'm done with it. Yeah, because it's still so much of my
1: life. So yeah, I think I, I think that's a lovely story that you still got all your cutouts and things, and it's not immature. I have um, a it's sitting right in front of me. I can see it where I am. Um, it's a do you know Happy Land? Yes. There. So for those who don't know, it's a set of figurines. It's like children's toys figurines, and I have one which is still in its box. I haven't even opened it yet because um, I'm keeping it just in case. Uh, that's William and Kate with a baby in a in a pram like an old silver cross pram and i think it was george it might have been charlotte um and it was produced for that and it says on the front 18 months plus um so your your cutouts from magazines are still much more mature than me having an actual children's toy (laughs) for 18 months and up (laughs) i love that so in terms of how I found out about Crown Princess Victoria, I think it was slightly different, obviously, because I didn't really grow up with her because I'm not Swedish. And um, so I, I initially, you know, as I kind of hinted at, I, my interest in monarchy goes back to when I was like four or five. I found out about Anne Boleyn and the historical kings and queens, and I was fascinated by it. And um, when I got a bit older, I was at St Andrews at the time that William and Kate got engaged and married. And so I was surrounded by a lot of royalist stuff that was going on. It was a very exciting time, I suppose. And I but I I actually started blogging because I'd already had a Tumblr account as well. Um, I did film reviews (laughs) um, before in another lifetime. Um, And I saw these people who were saying things about Kate that I knew wasn't true. And so I started off my account and I became quite well known for doing um, for being critical of the royals in not a way that was mean, but that was fair. I think the first time I ever saw anything with Crown Princess Victoria was pictures of her wedding, which obviously happened in 2010. So it was um, before I started any of my Tumblr accounts, but I hadn't obviously seen it at the time. So I saw them years later. And the photographs I saw were like her walking up the set of stairs after the wedding with Daniel. And there was Crown Princess Mary and Crown Princess um, and maybe even Maxima when she was still Crown Princess. uh, And they were all crying. And I was like, who is this woman who is so important to all of these Royals from across the world? These very dignified, poised, professional women. Who is she and why is she so special that she's making all of these people cry out of joy for her? And I was like, oh, she must be quite interesting. So maybe I should do a little bit of research about her. And um, I think much like you, I kind of, I was there at the right time because I started off my account in January, 2014. And we had a lot of really solid moments with Victoria and her family in quick succession. So we had Estelle visited her duchy with her parents. We had um, uh, Princess Leonore's christening where Estelle and Victoria are both there. Um, We had um, a documentary about their home, Haga Palace, which had a lot of moments between the family, though they were very sweet and, you know, uh, candid. That year was also Året med kungafamiljen, which is the annual documentary the Swedish royal family do, and it was the best year that we've had since I've started watching it, and I've watched most of them. Um, So... I just happened to join at a time where I was like oh this person is interesting to me I wonder who she is and then got bombarded with a ton of really amazing content that was so different from what I was used to as a British person whose royal family is quite closed off and doesn't do a lot of that. Uh, Yeah,
0: Was she like the first kind of like foreign royal you were like really aware of?
1: Um, I don't think she was the first one I was aware of necessarily because I feel like I knew about Mary and Max, Mary in particular, because Mary was quite popular at the time, actually. If it wasn't Kate who had all of the accounts about her, it was Mary. Um, so I think I probably knew about Mary more and I'd like heard about her, but never really followed anything. But she was the first
0: one that I think I um, I really wanted to know more about. You have that sort of initial moment of interest, I think in lots of things, but there were just a few things that kind of do end up sort of sticking. And so it's really stupid or something that is just like obviously for you like crown princess victoria it's one of the things that you're like yep that is it stuck
1: i mean yeah she had
0: she has to be pretty
1: special in order for me to have to sit through so many swedish documentaries and videos where i don't know what's going on i do feel envious sometimes i you know i follow a lot of the british royal family stuff for various reasons i like some of them it's where i live uh it's the one that most people are most interested in but Honestly, I cannot tell you how many hours I have dedicated to translating Swedish into English. Not no, at the time it was Google Translate. I am learning Swedish now, um, but I'm I've you know I've been learning for about a year, so I had the level of a one year old, and I am um, not great. So, but I, it's just it takes a huge amount of commitment, and I don't want that to sound like it doesn't for other people because like I know people put in so much work to all of their accounts, even if it's somebody who speaks the same language as them, but like just Signing up to be a Crown Princess Victoria Stan, it's like it was a commitment from me that I don't know if I necessarily thought about like, you're going to spend the next eight years translating Swedish. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in a way, that's quite nice that kind of like, I have been able to learn a lot about Sweden and through Victoria have learned about the whole family, and the Swedish royal family are my favourites in general. I was at uh, Prince Carl Philip and Princess Sophia's wedding in 2015, not as a guest, just in the crowd, have to clarify that, Um, which was so exciting, and I would never have heard of them if
0: it wasn't for Crown Princess Victoria. I've always wondered, like, because you're, like, the Crown Princess Victoria person, and also the Swedish royal family person, kind of, and it's, like, I mean, I'm sure there are other, like, there are definitely other, like, Swedish royal family accounts, but, like, Sometimes, and it sounds really bad, I get kind of frustrated when there are like other people who like Kate because I'm like that's my thing and it's fine, I'm glad other people like her, but like that's mine, so back off. (laughs) But like you've got like
1: the stage. I don't know how you work do things and how you organize your system, but like on my personal laptop I have a folder called Swedish Royal Family and within that folder it is divided up by different segments of the family. So it's got the king and the queen, the crown princess family, um, and each of those has photographs in it saved by date. <laughs> from, and the Victoria one is the biggest one. So it has photographs uh, with the name of the event in the subject that, ra- that goes from her birth in the 70s up till the modern day. And it is absurd the amount of stuff I've got in there. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah I have a lot of spreadsheets and like at the end of each year I like archive them onto a memory stick Lovely. so I've got them all they're not on my laptop but then like I know I've got a really good memory like that's not mm. really baseball but I do I know I remember a lot off the top of my head and sometimes I'm like I'll put something down like I did it I think when Charlotte turned seven I would put a picture of Kate at seven and someone's like mm. actually she's nine and I was like no I've had this picture for years and I know she is seven yeah. Yeah. and I, w- I went and proved it but I was like don't test me on this. I have fought for this position. <laughs> do not test me. <laughs> I am accurate. It is definitely a weird feeling.
1: Because there's, there's like part of you wants everybody to enjoy the same people you do. Like there's it's, it's hard. As somebody who did spend a long time defending Kate as well as you did. You know, it is hard to like somebody who everybody else seems to dislike. But at the same time, part of you kind of is like, this is my special person. And... I know the most about them and you're wrong. Um, So then our next
0: question is uh, why are they your favorite royal? So I think Kate is my favorite for a whole bunch of different reasons and I think these reasons have like developed Mm. over time because she's always I've never like I've never like swapped. I've had periods where you know people have come very very close like there was a stage when I was so obsessed with Madeline. I realized I had this real quite young I realized I had this real thing for like tall powerful brunette women but um I think you know initially it was entirely based on her fashion and I'm gonna say this as someone who is nowhere near Kate's height and also covered in freckles we look vaguely similar and it's purely down to the fact that she had long brown hair and I have long brown hair and then she cut it off and I cut it off entirely inspired there's a picture of her in a brown uniform when she was very little and I might have I think I reblogged it onto my normal account by accident and then someone I know was like oh I thought that was a picture of you and I was like thank you (laughs) and that's it then people always mock Kate's fashion sense and I do a lot of mocking Kate's fashion sense but her fashion sense and my fashion sense are fairly interchangeable sometimes especially the high street things she wears sometimes I already own it and I'm like oh that's embarrassing (laughs) as I got older and I actually started looking into her more I went away from being like oh she's pretty and looks a bit like me to being like I thought she was quite funny like her engagement interview she came off really well and you know we didn't hear her talk very much but she always looked happy and people always said she was quite funny and had a good sense of humor and then as she kind of sort of really got into sort of her interests like they aligned with mine like mental health children in general tennis I'm really into I to played a lot of tennis when I was little and I was like she just sort of ticked them all off suddenly and it was kind of around that 2015-2016 era she had this real push for mental health and children at once and it was around the time I was at uni and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and I was coming to the conclusion that I wanted to do something that sort of interweaved mental health and children I was managing to sort of learn through her things that I was interested in and I also was thinking we'd get on really well if we had a conversation about it like we have similar interests when I've I, I mean there have been a few times I've been like I have to stop liking her this is against my principles <laughs> and I'm like, Why can't because as a person I think she is a very good person that I would very much get on with and we would get on very I don't, I don't think we necessarily be friends but I think if we put us on a project together we would be so good
1: the more I learned about Kate the more I realized how misunderstood she is and I think a lot of it is her own fault she doesn't speak very much but like I always think about sort of 2007, 2008 Kate and how she used to go out all the time with her friends and get totally drunk. She just seemed like so much fun. And then, you know, when things have happened to her that have not been very positive, she is always the one who responds like nothing has gone wrong. And I think that people misunderstand her maybe because she is very pretty and she is sort of quiet and um, very feminine. And they seem to see her as sort of like weak and bland if they're critical of her and I think she's actually surprisingly funny very smart and um and very very strong as a person um and very composed
0: and I think sometimes like when I talk to people in real life about it and they're like but but why and I'm like okay I can't get across in a conversation like that Kate that you know Mm. and like Kate Middleton you know and the Duchess of Cambridge that I know are not the same person yeah because the super sort of official level of Kate is so different and I think and this is going to get oddly personal but when I was in when I was at uni in my second year maybe 2015 ish after I started my blog um I was in therapy for a whole bunch of different things and one of the ways they the therapist was like oh a good way to sort of process your feelings is to write it down as if you're telling someone else and he said the easiest way he gets people to do it is to write to a famous person and you don't send it you just pick someone who you kind of like you respect enough to tell them the truth but you're never going to let them know in person. And they won't read it anyway, so it doesn't matter. So you just tell them literally everything that is in your mind. And you can chat and just make it really sort of a chatty letter. And it gets it all out so then it, you can work it through. And then you can keep the letter and refer to it. Except I'm really extra. So I did that and then sent it to Kate.
1: Oh.
0: And then she replied. And I don't mean I got one of those like ones that you get in the newspapers where they're like, the Queen wrote right back to this boy. And it says, like the Queen has asked me to reply to you. Yeah, no, she didn't. Like, I got a reply from Kate, signed from Catherine. I expect, thought it was busted tickets, was waiting on my end <laughs> to get them. It's not busted tickets, I was a bit shock But I remember getting this letter, and it wasn't very long, but she'd clearly read what I'd written, and she spoke a bit about her patronages and like how this was an area she was really interested in, and how she wanted to work on it in the future, and you know she made some comments on things I'd written, and I was just like. She's a very and I Googled. I was like does she do this a lot? And I couldn't find apart from people she'd met or like dying children, like personal letters from her. I saw a lot from like her staff, but none sort of handwritten letters from the Duchess of Cambridge. Aww. So I was like, if she could take that time out to sort of read it, I need to maybe actually focus. and I do I'm sure it wasn't I'm not saying like oh, okay save my life do you think that was a real turning point for me to be like well if this complete stranger was going to be queen one day and is very busy and has lots of children you can take the time to write me a letter I can actually do one of the things I used to do in my therapy session and not just be like I'll do that and then refuse to do it I don't think we'll ever get across how much that meant to me personally and how fundamental I think that was in my life and it's it's a really weird thing because I don't think about it very often But then I'm like actually yeah that's incredible. like that changed a lot that's so lovely um, and I think it's it's like a corner like I when I wrote my dissertation I did thank her for that letter in there I did put in my I so like oh. thanks for the letter
1: no big deal just name dropping <laughs> uh,
0: yeah Kate for the letter um but I, <laughs> um I think I've always said that we could abolish the monarchy tomorrow and I would still support Kate Middleton yeah
1: <laughs> that's really lovely and thank you for sharing that because that's that's a very sweet story the mental health work that Kate has done definitely connects to me I have diagnosed mental illnesses and um I also work in children's mental health and interestingly I think my I was blogging about Kate before I started working in children's mental health I sort of I became aware of charities in the children's mental health space that I could work at because she was doing that work and um So I've been fortunate enough to kind of be in the room with her a few times. I've never met her or spoken to her, but I've been in the room with her. And I've known a lot of people who have met her, you know, whether they're staff members or family who've got mental health issues and are meeting with her as service users. And I have never like I would say if somebody said she was a total B-I-T-C-H, you know, I would say if somebody said that and i would be honest about it and it might change how I think about her. But I can tell you every single person has said something positive about her and particularly about her ability to connect with children who have experienced some severe traumas and don't open up to a lot of adults. And so it's really lovely as well to kind of hear that that's not just something that people who get who are, who are get to meet her face-to-face feel, but that even just through a letter, she can have that kind of personal impact on someone. And she's, you know you were talking to her, not just as a person to person, but also like somebody who works in this area. And I'm sure she probably, maybe she remembers your letter. You know, maybe that was a very touching thing for her. You never know. Maybe she sat around and talked about it with William.
0: Yeah, maybe I, I framed somewhere my letter. I, d- I always think, like I don't remember what I put in that letter. I could have put anything. I was just like emotionally pouring my heart out. It must have been okay, because you got a nice letter back and you didn't get put on a list somewhere. So <laughs> not like
1: a restraining order. no, but again, no. Like, but yeah, uh, I think that's a really lovely story. My my story sounds so terrible in comparison. I've got no moving emotional thing. <laughs> the In terms of why Victoria is my favourite, I actually, I mean, I love Victoria's work. I think she does really valuable work. I think she does it very, very well. But it's not really what I would do if I was a
0: royal. You say you're not passionate about the water?
1: No, not really. I can't swim very well. Um... I, I wouldn't really, personally, if I was a royal, I wouldn't spend all of my time thinking about the environment. I definitely wouldn't be encouraging people to go outside and run. That's never gonna happen. Um, a lot of the things that she actually does on a day-to-day basis are not things that I think I would pay attention to if it was anybody else doing them. But I think the reason why Victoria is my favorite is because I think she kind of epitomizes to me what a, ro- a modern royal should be. She's progressive, but like the right amount of progressive. So she's not, her father often speaks about political things that maybe he shouldn't. Victoria never does that, but she's also been a really strong advocate of the LGBTQ plus community for a very long time. So she's got that kind of right amount of progressiveness in her. Um, She's incredibly intelligent and well-prepared. So she did a really, really long training program that was quite public. Like a lot of Royals, we assume they do some sort of training, but we don't know anything about it. Um, But she spent time, with the military she, she worked with the diplomatic service she worked with businesses she worked in the government she also did private history lessons where she would have a historian come in and talk to her about this history of Sweden for like two hours and he he said that she always had like an hour longer than she should have had because she kept asking questions um and she just was so interested in it she's very highly respected like she's a UN advocate and was appointed by Ban Ki-moon personally uh she's very friendly and curious and like always looks like she's having the absolute time of her life when she's at engagements. She's resilient. She's talked about her eating disorder, but also she's dyslexic. And so not only does a huge part of her job revolve around giving speeches, but often giving speeches in her second language and she's dyslexic on top of that. And like, she still kind of does it without, you know, hesitation and she does such a good job. She, so she's just very resilient. And I think um, more than anything, she gets what her job is in a way that I don't think every other Royal does. So like every opportunity that is presented to talk about how great Sweden is, she will take it. Even if no one asked, she will talk about how great Sweden is. I don't think there is anybody who loves Sweden as much as Crown Princess Victoria does. And that is ultimately her job. She goes out of her way to be a good ambassador for it both internally and externally. Um, I think that she just, the way she talks about her job, like, I know that there are differences and that, that it's not always that some approaches are right or some approaches are wrong. But again, growing up with the British royal family, you got the sense that like they had accepted that this was something they had to do. Whereas Crown Princess Victoria seems to feel like she's lucky that she gets the
0: opportunity to do this. It's just a different way of viewing it. She has always said that she's got the best job in the world. I mean, I fundamentally agree with everything you said. I think I've always said that like people talk a lot that like crown princess mary was like born to be royal but I think if anyone was ever born to be like a monarch it's crown princess victoria because she so fundamentally understands what her job is and more than that she doesn't treat it like a job she treats it like a vocation and I think that's the difference it sort of it comes across in everything she does like I've never seen I mean I don't follow every engagement but I've never seen her at an engagement where you kind of feel like she was told she had to be here or she's like ringing it in. I've never felt like like she's holding back or anything. She just like she could if she could go and visit every single person in Sweden and have tea with them she probably would.
1: Yeah and I think it is
0: just that like she's she loves
1: her country but it never sways into kind of being nationalistic. Um and kind of uh <laughs> isn't Sweden the best place in the world? We should defeat everyone else and colonize the whole world. It never, it never falls into that territory. She just really seems to love her country. I just, I think she always takes the opportunity to do something that she doesn't have to do in order to try and promote Sweden, which is her job at the end of the day. Like her 40th birthday, she celebrated, she could have celebrated that with like some photo shoots and a church service and that would have been fine. But she decided to do a program where she would walk through every, um, historical province of Sweden in their national parks and so you got to see literally every single part of Sweden through Victoria's tours and every single one was like highlighting how beautiful this area is and it made me want to go so it was obviously successful and it just highlighted <laughs> places outside of the capital and outside of the main uh, areas that we always see so you know it's it's things like that that or like during the pandemic uh, Victoria and Daniel called every single single municipal council in the country, which is like, I can't, I don't remember the exact number, but it was hundred and something. It was hundreds of people that they called. And some of, they didn't share any photographs on the official world website. We only found out about them through the counselors, um, but they called every single one to ask about, they had like a half an hour chat about what was happening and how p- the pandemic was impacting them. And like, nobody had to ask them to do that or wait around for ages for them to respond to something. You know, and she just has this kind of infectious, joyful quality about her.
0: I think, like, that's a really sort of interesting point because Kate and Victoria—they both have that kind of natural yeah. sort of exude positivity. Except in Sweden, I think that is sort of embraced. Yeah. Whereas in Britain, it's always yeah. like people <laughs> don't even think about it, and they're like, "Stop smiling." With Victoria
1: she's allowed to express emotion and in Britain you are not allowed to express emotion at all so that's my answer I suppose it's not it's not I don't have this like deep emotional connection in the same way but I just feel like she she if if I could craft a perfect royal for the 2022 in my in a little studio somewhere it would end up being Victoria even if I didn't know who she was it would just end up being her because I just think she's great at everything and just understands the job and understands the country. Um, so our next question is some of your favourite moments from your favourite royal.
0: First thing I thought of was heads together. It. I remember being in my flat in my first year of uni in bed and getting the tweet notification from Kensington Palace that you know this video had been released announcing heads together and it was stupid and it was like one minute and they were like giggling. I learned more about it obviously as everyone else did and there were a few things that really stood out to me. One that I mean I thought right from the start well obviously this is Kate's idea and apparently that was a shock to the world because it took until Harry and William said it was Kate's idea that some people decided to listen to that and many people still flatly refused to believe that so like it was Harry I'm like Harry himself said it was Kate it was, it was it was Harry um but like it was always I've always said married and royals are really good at spotting yeah. things that born royals are Kate managed to think well I've got this big theme of mental health and children and William's got this big theme of mental health and men and suicide and sport and Harry's got this big theme of mental health in the services and we can just focus on mental health And she pulled that together. And I have some criticisms with Heads Together overall. But I think it can't be, and I know it happened kind of in conjunction with some of the things the government was doing as well. But I don't think it can be understated the impact Heads Together had on the way mental health is viewed in Britain. Because I remember before, because I that was, it. once again, it matched very well with my mental health journey. But I remember like, When she announced, when it was announced, I was struggling with, you know, anorexia and depression and all of that. And by the time of the London Marathon, the next year on, I was, you know, slowly in recovery. And I think it did span that. But that period before, like, I would never have told anyone that I was struggling because even as quite a sort of a left wing young person, you might have said you had depression or anxiety but you wouldn't have gone into detail you definitely wouldn't have said anything like more serious than that and now I don't I'm not saying like oh Britain's a great place for mental health but I think amongst people there's definitely more of an openness of everything she's done so far there's been lots of things she's done that I have impressed me like I think that has had the biggest impact and on life in Britain and I think because it's not something you can measure, like you can't say like, oh, there's been 7,000 participants and heads to get, because you can't measure it. Unlike like say the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. Yeah. Where you could be like, well, oh, it's had this huge impact. I genuinely think it had such a big impact and either it's not acknowledged as having that impact or when it is acknowledged, people are like, thanks, Harry. <laughs> it's not Harry. <laughs> and I'm not, He had a big impact on it. I think, you know, him speaking was really impactful, but I think it was Kate's baby very much.
1: Yeah, I I think it was a turning point because it was something that, like, she recognised that need. She recognised what they could do together. I think what I liked most about it was almost that Kate never came forward to claim it as hers because it wasn't about getting praise. It was about what was actually happening. It was Harry and William who had to say it was Kate. And every time it's brought up that it was Kate, she sort of goes like, oh, you know, oh, it was it was a, a group effort, really. And that's what I really like about it. It's like, obviously, I love the the impact that it's had. And, you know, I think it, it was a very ambitious campaign. And it, was, it was very impressive. But I also think on a personal level, I liked it so much because she was doing it because she cared and because she thought it was the right thing to do and not because she wanted everybody to think how great she was
0: yeah like I think royals have a real tendency to name things after themselves like the royal foundation is named after them the Duke of Edinburgh was the Prince's Trust like all named after them and it's not like the Duchess of Cambridge's mental health it was just heads together and I just yeah it was it was very sweet and very it felt very natural for Kate to be the one to be like mm, actually it was very much built on lots of things and I I felt like if she did it today she would do it completely differently yeah but I feel like it for the stage they were at and I think all three of them in their kind of focus on mental health at that time mm-hmm. it was the perfect thing to do I mean essentially Kate's just a woman who occasionally visits charities like at that period she wasn't uh almost like specializing in it and I think it was just it showed she was it kind of showed her intelligence in a way in a very understated way I feel like all my other favorite moments are really casual compared to that because I'm like well one is the impact she's had on the country and then the next one I had was like when they went to Pakistan and she spoke Urdu and everyone (laughs) laughed and smiled and that really cute smile afterwards like I love it so much she was so proud of herself.
1: She doesn't get embarrassed easily I would if I was a royal I think the hardest part for me even beyond criticism from the press would be the fact that I would just spend 90% of my life just cringing inside because I'm being like I'm having to dance or I'm having to do some a uh, sporting activity that I'm not very good at and I keep missing a goal or something like I would just spend the entire time feeling mortified but she doesn't ever seem to let anything affect her
0: I don't want to say it's rare that she like loses her mask because she's such an expressive person and I don't feel like she's like putting on a show but I feel like she is she's got there is a level to sort of how relaxed she will be in public because she knows she's in public and that's one of the few moments where I'm like oh no that's just her that was just Kate being like oh I did it everyone's clapping that's so embarrassing that felt very completely natural a bit like when her birthday photos were released and there was that one photo that William and the children chose because it looked like the kid at home and it didn't look like the kid on engagements That moment look like the cape they get at home. Also, which links in with my like the sporting moments. I absolutely love it when she gets involved in like sports. She's very willing to give everything a go, but she's so competitive that she will give it a hundred percent. Whereas I feel like you know you'll get Charles or something, and he'll be like ah ha ha ha," and he'll hit something and be like done now. It's like I'm to win. I'm gonna become an expert at this. And I think like all of that culminates for me in Wimbledon because. I, I mean, I think everyone was so desperate for her to take over as like patron of the Lawn Tennis Association and the All England Club of Wimbledon itself. And I love watching Wimbledon and I liked watching Kate watching Wimbledon. But I also, the thing that makes me happy is when she, now when she goes, since she's been patron, she also does like a behind the scenes visit where she'll go and watch like the outer court matches. but Like she might speak to someone or she'll go in the kitchen or just do something a bit different that must be so exciting for someone who was such a big fan and it just it sounds like a really stupid thing like Kate doing a job is like a fun moment but I bet it would be like if William was invited to like to go and look around Wembley like every time there was a football match on and talk to all the people like he would be like a kid in a sweet shop. There was that documentary about Wimbledon and she spoke a little bit about going as a child and you just kind of
1: think about like if somebody had gone back and told little Kate that she was one day gonna be the patron and awarding the trophies and get to sit in the royal box. Like, I wonder how she would have reacted. Yeah,
0: and I always think about the time, like in 2013 when Andy Murray won for the first time, but she couldn't go because she was like massively pregnant with George and the doctor said she couldn't. And in that documentary, she was clearly so frustrated about that. And it'd been like eight years at that point and he'd won again while she'd been there. Those are some lovely moments.
1: I think, so for me, my favorite moments were difficult because unlike a married and royal, I have over 40 years of Victoria <laughs> to pick from. <laughs> it's like, how do I narrow down for, over 40 years of somebody's life? Um, I think, so we got to see a lot of Crown Princess Victoria as a child and because they have these annual documentaries they, that we they do, we also got to hear a lot from her in a way that we don't often get to hear from royals and I think one of the things I loved about her as a child as well as being kind of like she was very responsible she was the mother of the group we know that she helped wean princess Madeline off her dummy wasn't her parents it was her (laughs) um I think people forget how sassy she was um and actually still is to a degree and how I it always reminds me of princess Anne and anyway, one of my favorite moments of her as a child was when she was about nine years old and she went to the premiere of a movie it was an adaptation of an Astrid Lindgren uh, novel and she was leaving with her siblings and some nannies and Princess Lillian who's her great aunt and um the press asked her how was the movie and she responded stupid questions deserve stupid answers <laughs> And then a nanny was like Victoria, and she was just like, "Well, that's all he's getting," (laughs) and I just love that (laughs) that kind of um, unrestrained sassiness. Um, She was just as savage as a nine-year-old, and I think she has that kind of—it's always in good fun, which I think is similar. Well, actually, maybe it's different from Anne. I don't know. Um, Like there was an interview; she was in Asia—I want to say Japan or China, but I'm not 100% sure. And she was getting a lot of questions This was in the 2000s before she got married. She was getting a lot of questions about when she was going to get married and how uh, her relationship. And she was there to do a job. And after like 20 questions about her relationship, she snapped. And somebody said, do you think you're going to have children? And I'm paraphrasing, but she essentially said, if they're anything like you, then no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the funniest thing everyone
1: has ever said. I know. <laughs> and I just she's so giving and she spends so much of her time getting photographed and talking to the public and she's very fun and positive and cheerful but I also just love those moments where she's just like it's it's never in a way nobody ever comes away saying that it was rude um I've never heard any of the press say that Victoria is like difficult to be around or anything like that but she just occasionally has this very sassy edge to her that is a underrated favorite thing about Victoria for me
0: I love it and it's one of these things that's like Sometimes there's like sassy royals, like Anne, get like, like, I don't want to say, but Mark does sassy, like, that's Anne. Yes, she can't be yes. nice now because if she's being nice, someone will be like, oh, sassy. But I feel like Victoria's managed to escape that, but she's still got it in her.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. She can get away with it. So, uh, one of my other favourite moments, um, which again was, I think, one of the things that early on really engaged me in Victoria, it's not actually her moment as such, but it is sort of. Um, So at their wedding, Prince Daniel gave the most beautiful wedding speech in the history of wedding speeches. He tells a story that is about Victoria, um, that is about when they, she was about to go on a tour when they were dating and it was the longest amount of time that they would have spent apart since they started going out with each other. And she came back from the day of engagements and she stayed up all night in her room writing. And then after she left, Daniel found a box with 30 letters in the box, one for every day that she had been, she would be away. And she'd written a handwritten letter for him to open while she was on tour. And firstly, that story is the most sickeningly adorable thing I've ever heard in my whole life. But also when, she, when he told that story, it's so fun. I've watched it like 20 times, I can't, maybe probably more. Halfway through the story, she realizes what he's telling. And she immediately becomes embarrassed, but nobody else knows what it's about yet. And it's like a sweet embarrassment, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're telling this story. Um, and then at the end of it, everyone's just just kind of universally goes, "Oh," And um, she just looks so like sheepish, um, like kind of almost embarrassed to have been praised in that way, but like in a sweet, in a very sweet way. And it's one of the most endearing things. Like I watch it when I'm sad you know he was telling that story is like this is the kind of person that you are that you you know you kind of there's he, t- he this wasn't in the wedding speech but he told another story a while later about how when they first started going out um, there's this guy who'd worked as a janitor because Prince Daniel r- ran a gym which was where they met and there was this, this guy who worked as a janitor and had for done for years and Prince Daniel never really stopped and spoken to him that much they knew each other vaguely because they worked together but that was about it Victoria had like one conversation with this guy and had invited him to spend Christmas with them (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I just love that it's just those little those little stories that other people tell about her like we don't get to see them but that was my favorite one
0: I think whenever I think about that moment about uh Victoria and those letters I'm always like at my wedding, I desperately want my future spouse to say that about me, except I also don't want to be in the room when they do it because I would be so embarrassed i'd die. But like, if if, I, if they're not that adorable about me, I'm literally gonna divorce them on the spot. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's fair, completely, completely.
1: So another favorite moment is um, in 2013, when she turned up at Gay Gallen, which is a annual award ceremony for the LGBTQ plus community. Royals work several decades behind the rest of the world <laughs> and so that was one of the first high-profile appearances that any royal had made for the LGBTQ community and it was a total surprise they announced that she was there and she got a standing ovation that was like three minutes long or And then immediately after everyone stopped, she said, here's the thing. I'm just here to present the prize. (laughs) Like she got the standing (laughs) ovation as if she'd won something, but you, you saw the faces of everybody in the crowd as they were giving her this ovation. And you could just tell that this meant so much to them to have somebody who is essentially their representative, the representative of their nation publicly throw her weight behind them when very few other people in her position had done so. And she gives the award to this guy whose name I can't remember, I'm sorry, but he comes up and collects it and then he gives a, he sort of makes a quip about how, you know, you may be our crown princess but for tonight I'm our little queen and she bursts out laughing and like I I love that moment so much because it was such a big thing for a royal to do Um, and she did it with such humour and it obviously meant so so much to
0: people. Royals have lots of fleeting interests but Particularly when they do something that's, like, as topical as... It sounds stupid to say, like, LGBT people are topical. But at the time, like, that was a topic. Like, people were discussing it and debating, like, whether people should have rights or not. And not only just to go at the time, but to keep going. And not just having been, like, that was the topic of the moment, so they're going to focus on it. Like, it's something that she's going to do forever. Like, that's always what sort of makes these things stand out. So my other couple of moments... One is
1: 2017 when she was the regent, her father was out of the country and that happened to be the same week that there was the terror attacks in Stockholm. And so Victoria was the first royal on the scene. And she was asked as she was leaving, um, how do do we recover from this? And she said one word, which is uh, Swedish for together. And that word started trending on social media and from Royalists and Republicans alike as kind of a rallying cry of like, we're not gonna let, let hate divide us. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who use terror attacks as a reason to justify their bigotry. And they that that word that she'd given as her answer went on to become this rallying cry. And I think transcended just a statement from a Royal because she'd managed to pull people together in a way very few other people have and um, it was very, very queenly. The other moment is much more cheerful and it's her tour of the Arctic in 2008 with Crown Prince Frederick and Crown Prince Hakon. And I loved it because she spends the vast majority of the time making fun of them both. (laughs) It was an environmental expedition. They went around the Arctic and uh, on like a polar mission thing and looked at the environment. And it was it was lovely because it brought all three Scandinavian monarchies together. But she like, there was there's, there was a documentary that was produced around it. And there's like moments where she's sort of making fun of the way that I think it's Hakon pronounces things because the languages are slightly different. And like, it's a very, again, a very gentle, sweet natured sort of joking, but it was just, I love seeing her with other royals because everybody loves her. And she's like, their sis- <laughs> she's like their
0: sister in a way. I love that. I love, I, I also love like the juxtaposition. Yeah. Between like terrorism, Arctic Circle. Yeah, I did not plan this well.
1: So we have, the next one is, is there anything that you don't like? And I'm going to let Grace do most of this because I imagine you have a few.
0: <laughs> I have a few. Um, right. When I was at school, I had a very small but close group of friends. And I had one friend who I couldn't think of anything bad about. For a long time, and I was like, it frustrated me because I was like, well, clearly we're not good enough friends that they've annoyed me yet. And then one day I was like, oh, this is really annoying. And I was like, oh, we're friends. Okay, done. And I always feel like with Kate, I'm at that stage because a lot of things she does annoy me. But I've narrowed it down to three things, and one of them is not really her. So the first one is my big one, the one that I am always on about is her lack of workload, but more specifically, the lack of consistency in her workload. So last year, for example, she consistently worked on Tuesday, Thursday, and then normally something on one of the other days. So normally Wednesday or Friday. One of those days would be a meeting. So we wouldn't see her at all. One of those days we'd normally have it like booked in advance. And then one of them would be a surprise or like solo and with William. And it didn't happen every week, but it happened regularly enough that I knew that if I checked my phone at lunchtime on Tuesday, I'd probably see a picture of Kate. And then there was a period for this year where that structure kind of changed to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then the structure disappeared completely. And I'm not saying she has to have like designated working days. I'm not saying like she can't ever do an engagement on a Monday. But she's gone through a period, this kind of April, May period where she is working. She might work Tuesday, Wednesday and then nothing for a week. And then she'll work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and then there'll be a week where she doesn't work and then she works on Wednesday but she'll do five engagements and I think if you are going to represent a country you need to do it consistently particularly because the average person doesn't look at the court circular to find out what she's doing what they do is see how many times have we seen her so if she goes to Northumberland and does eight engagements the public will view that as one thing she's done yeah. Because they've seen her one time. Yeah. In those period of times where she isn't working, she needs to be seen more to counteract some of the backlash. But my, I mean, my ideal situation would be her doing more work in the first place. But I am very much beating a dead horse on that one, so I'm going to let that one go. Even they've Kensington Palace has started doing this thing on Twitter where they like retweet something that's vaguely linked to one of William or Kate's patronages with no information, like. Irritating, but I'll take it because it's like, oh, someone is working behind the scenes. It might be unfair that people are saying, "Well, she we only saw her once this week, even though she did
1: eight engagements." But that's how it works. That you know, and that's kind of tough, tough bananas.
0: Yeah, I made a list once of everything I think, like not like work wise, everything I think she should physically attend a year just so people see her things like easter and christmas and then things like ascot and the chelsea flower show like they're really boring but it's an hour and all you've got to do is stand there like it doesn't matter if it counts as an engagement or not i mean i would prefer if it did but like it's a moment where you're seen and then in people's heads they will be like well we did see her on monday so it's fine that i haven't seen her the rest of the week and it just feels better Um, My second point, I only have three, my second point, and this is going to sound completely contrary to everything I've ever said, is her lack of passion. And I don't mean that about things she's interested in. And I feel like she does come across that she's always very happy to be, you know, at work and doing it. But, and this is entirely me, so I feel like when something, and it's only over the last few years, when something goes wrong or publicly and it's not necessarily about Kate so if we think about when everything happened with Andrew or when the Sussexes left or you know even after they took George to the Euro final and like people being horrible to him because he was wearing a suit like in the immediate aftermath of that Kate seems to draw back and I don't know if it's linked or it's just a um, coincidence but it's happened enough times now that it's happened like it's suspicious if it's not a coincidence. But so the most recent example is after the tour of the Caribbean. And I think no matter what happened in that tour, when they got back to Kensington Palace, William shouted a lot and they all had a big discussion about how that could never happen again. Yeah. Like the optics of that tour. But the best thing I think to do our response to that would be to come out and do a ton of work in the UK. Like they could have taken they could have taken Easter off. I was fine with them taking three weeks off for Easter, I was expecting it. Then they needed to come out and hit the ball rolling and do engagements across the country with people. They could have done an engagement with, I don't know, a Bahamian community. You know, there will be a community of people from the Bahamas or from um, Jamaica in the UK that they've done that engagement with and carried on that thing. And it, you know, it they could have that opportunity to discuss things and to keep to take that celebration that they had in those countries back to the UK. instead whenever things start to go wrong Kate tends to just not do any work well not just her her and William should have no matter how that tour went should have planned in like follow-up events in the UK when they came back and it links to the consistency but I also think and this kind of links to what you were saying about Victoria but like it is a privilege to represent the country and I feel like You have to, even if you hate it, you have to pretend you're having the best possible time all the time. And I don't know if it's true or it's just me projecting, but I think that if I'm noticing it, other people are noticing it. So, I've
1: always just assumed it was coincidental, but maybe that's naive. But like, there's something controversial happens, right, as Kate was planning to go on holiday, isn't that interesting? (laughs)
0: Um, And then my final point, which might cause controversy, is... (laughs) The other thing I don't like about Kate is her fans. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, A, they do a lot of things that annoy me, but on a serious level, um, I think that some Kate fans make life a lot worse for Kate than it would be if they didn't exist. Whether that's because they're trying to paint her as some kind of like perfect angel who's never done anything wrong, or because they are like putting words in her mouth and saying like, oh, she clearly feels this about something. And I'm like, you are making everything worse like it's a bit like I feel like if a lot of these fans were around in 2012 when the topless photo problem happened Kate would have come out looking angelic the next day and being absolutely angel and people would be like Kate is fuming she's clearly been crying all night gonna like fight someone and William's gonna do this and I'm like you are taking something that she's handling very well and making it a problem
1: yeah there's a lot of lovely Kate fans, obviously, and um, there's a lot that, like, they're just young and they'll probably change. You know, we were all probably much more annoying when we first started our blogs than we are now. Um, well, I don't know if that remains to be seen, um, but I think, yeah, I it's kind of what I mentioned earlier about her being misunderstood. It's like, I don't love the Kate that they think exists she's not perfect. I love the Kate who fell over on her roller skates and got drunk all the time and sunbathed topless and um, you know when somebody said to her I I was up at 1am for your wedding she said I'm sorry. (laughs) Like I like the funny witty slightly awkward um, fun loving
0: Kate. I don't love the perfect English Rose who hates Megan. I'm not saying the way I view Kate is right I'm not saying that I'm I'm right and they're all wrong yeah but I'm saying they are not if they think this is a problem like this, not helping her I think that more often than not people use Kate as a stand-in for
1: themselves of like I don't like this person so therefore she must also not like this person and it's like you don't know although it's not it's not Kate's fault but it is important to bring it up because it's part of your experience as having her as your favorite royal is that this is something that happens to go along with it like Victoria there's like four of us and everyone's all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you so much for joining us we hope you enjoyed it and hopefully nothing too thrilling happened in the engagements that we've missed um we hope you join us next week and uh we will have all of our contact details in the description as always um but
0: yes uh, other than that it is goodbye from me and goodbye from me